0: Good, Mike. How
1: are you? Doing good. Doing good. So, um, Glenn is joining me today because um, I was actually going to do this by myself uh, because I got some things I want to talk about. And um, so, I'm doing this whole, you know, mini podcast thing and uh, figured I'd give some insight, uh, some opinions. This is the kind of stuff I talk to people all day all the time about and i figured um i should share it with uh you know whomever so uh so what we're going to talk about today just right out of the shoot so you kind of know what you're uh, getting into is um i read an article the other day from or I shouldn't say it was an article it was more of a news story from nbc talking about how dfw was the least affordable place in texas to live Um, we're gonna talk about how bad inflation is right now and kind of where it's getting and what it's doing to interest rates. And, um, I'm going to talk about the Dallas, Fort Worth housing market and the housing market as a whole and kind of where the future is going for that and what you should expect and what you need to start looking for And is now the best time to buy a home. So, uh, this is, I would probably venture to guess, Glenda, you would agree that these are probably, especially when it comes to, should I buy a home right now? Probably one of the most asked questions we get all the time.
0: That is uh probably ninety-nine percent of the time. That's the very first question I asked minus of what your payment is, is, is it a good time to make that home yes. purchase?
1: And um, I talked to three people myself today, and that was exactly you know what our what our conversation was. So, so um Anyway, like I said, I was going to do this alone, but I'm glad to have a friend with me so at least I can bounce something (laughs) off of him so it doesn't sound like I'm just talking to myself the whole time. But I spend a lot of time reading about this stuff. Um, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to these things. I have a lot of conversations about this, but, you know, it's like, what are we supposed to do with social media? We're supposed to talk about dump our brain onto uh, onto the planet and see how see where it gets us. So. (laughs) So the first thing is um, I saw a news uh, report uh, the other day from NBC that was talking about how um, DFW is the least affordable uh, place to live in Texas, uh, which was kind of surprising to me because I kind of figured, I thought it would be like Austin. I would have figured you know. it would have
0: been Austin first. Yeah,
1: that would have been what I thought, but but not so much. So um, so right now, um, and the way they kind of measured this stuff is, um, and let me put up kind of the, the order, in which they go on these things for the rankings I've, i even got pictures i have all kinds of fun stuff. i am so, so proud
0: of you so yeah i'm kind of jacked into mike's today he was going to do it alone i was like hey i'm already here in the office so you <laughs> if you want someone else so it's all about mike today I that's right
1: him. that's right so um so i'm going to show this a couple little little pictures here but um so this is one of the images that um that we got which basically tyler can oh. you can you see that glenn Is that yeah, showing up on the thing that is here?
0: crazy dallas so Denver yeah Austin.
1: dallas fort worth number one number two was austin which i mean we kind of know that austin's got you know yeah. expensive home prices and georgetown that and all of that area surrounding right yeah. um and then uh hang on let me move that over here there we go this is the one that's how it should look right there we go um so yeah so dallas fort worth number one austin number two home prices have been crazy there everybody's moving there yeah. tyler was the one that was a little surprising
0: well I, I think if you think about port arthur beaumont and then i'm surprised yeah above Houston, uh, port
1: arthur beaumont houston i i it, oil and gas. Like I get that. But
0: but Tyler Longview, it is. Um, and my entire like in-laws live there. Uh Um, and my sister-in-law is Smith County treasurer and she's, I mean, she can see it. So it's just because they want to move out to rural area. Gotcha. And Tyler is not rural anymore. Um, it's super crazy, but Longview, it all, Kind of blends now like DFW does. Okay.
1: So it's kind of just because you're pushing out in that direction. it's becoming more of a metropolitan. It is for sure.
0: Like Tyler is busier than DFW sometimes, I feel like, when we go down there.
1: So so those are the areas that are the top five in the state. Um and it factors in um things like uh which I have this up here in just a second I'm trying to navigate between switching screens and doing this. Um it factors in things like, you know, cost of living, obviously, the home prices, rent. Um, it also factors in utility utilities. Um, so for example, um, in, uh, uh, with groceries and whatnot, but utilities, we pay the highest rates in the country here in Texas for utilities. What? Um, or I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry, the third highest rate, sorry. That is crazy
0: numbers. to think that in Dallas, Fort Worth. Like, yes, that well, isn't- I mean,
1: it's, it's we are, oil and gas or near about, but you know, cause we have Houston and other parts of the right. state that participate in that. But we also like drive a lot, you know what I mean? So We drive a lot
0: because we don't have mass transit. Right, and- there's
1: no mass transit here, so you're driving all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, healthcare is also factored into this, groceries, just general transportation. Um, the transportation stuff, because we don't have mass transit, everybody right. has a car. We all pay for gas, um, you know, and that's kind of where we are. Now, um, in Texas, too, we are 10% higher than the national average for utilities specifically. Mm, so we're, we're in the top end of that and, and paying a lot for it. Um, we are uh, sixth worst in the count in the country for lack of affordable housing in Texas.
0: Oh, I can see that. And I think we talked about that last week when there's, we're, they're building so many condominiums and apartments right now. Um, because there's really no, I mean, there's nowhere to go. The supply and demand here in DFW. And I know we had talked about this, you know, a while back is there's 300 people a day moving into DFW. Yes. And so that's just going to make everything widespread and there's not enough for all land. I mean, people think that, Oh, Texas is really big. Well, yeah, it takes eight hours to get to every side, Mm -hmm. but it's in housing. Oh my gosh. With taxes too. We were talking about that earlier. Oh my gosh.
1: It's, it's pretty insane. Yeah. Especially with the way, the the way property taxes have been jumping up as well. But, um, but yes. And then, so they had another statistic on the, and it's, it's on, it's on NBC's website. You can go to it. It was a story that they ran. Um, they said that in order to afford a two bedroom apartment that you need to make $22 and 50 cents an hour to be able to afford a two bedroom apartment right
0: now. And when's the last time you you talk to a first time home buyer that makes $22 an hour? They don't. Right.
1: They don't. So, um, the long story short of this is that it is getting extremely expensive to yeah. own a house anywhere in the country, and especially right now because of the demand that has, um, you know, really pushed our direction from all the people moving into the state. Now we're in a world where it's incredibly expensive all the time, right. and so like if you look at this little a little chart that we have here, a little map of the of the country, you can see that all the places in red, okay that back. It's got a little, little details on there. So this is affordable housing and available rental homes per a hundred, a hundred extremely low income renters. So okay. basically they're taking like the extremes on this, but they're essentially saying that for every a hundred people that are extremely low income, there are less than 30 houses or 30, op- 30 places for them to live. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how they measure this. And we're similar to California, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, and Oregon. So Essentially, the the affordability that we are existing in right now is little to none, right? um, Because it's extremely expensive to live here, especially in Texas, with all these costs that have come up, right? And, you know, it's not, you know, this isn't something that I'm highlighting because I'm trying to freak anybody out or you know make anybody worried that they can't afford to live. But this goes back to what we always talk about: how you know when it comes to buying or selling homes or, or owning your own home, right? If you own a home, you might be paying a lot for it. You might be paying high rates, you may be high, paying high prices, whatever the case may be, but you still have the ability to build equity and grow wealth in that situation. Absolutely. And if you're renting an apartment, or you're renting a house or anything of that nature, then the opportunity for that is obviously much less. Mm-hmm. So, um, and especially when you're, you know, I think a lot of people in in the country and in, in texas specifically um you know a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck right yeah. it's like yeah. they don't have a ton of money in savings i can't remember the exact statistic but there was something like you know 40 percent of households in the country if they had a ten thousand dollar unexpected expense they couldn't afford to meet it yep. uh, because they don't have that money in savings so you know this just kind of highlights the fact that everything is getting more expensive right. um now we do hope Obviously, that this is going to come down at some point. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's like anything else. Whenever you can get someone to pay $100, or I I think the airline industry is a good example. If I can get you to pay $50 to check your bag, and I say, well, you know, our costs are going up. This is just what it is. You know, hopefully this won't be permanent. Am I ever not going to get $50 from you to check your bag? And
0: it's always going to be permanent. They're not going to take it back. Right. They like their profits. That's
1: right. Or or like the toll road, right? I'm going to drive down the toll road. Now, what we're going to do with the toll road is... We're gonna charge you for the first five years. Right. And then after the road's paid for itself, then the toll will go away. Uh, no. no. No, the toll does yeah. not go away. You I keep like paying. To
0: the hashtag thirty-five, because that's that place is never gonna go away. No. But it brings up a good a, a good question is how do you how do you try to survive and buy a house in this market? Right. With it going up and twenty-two dollars an hour is not gonna happen. A lot of my clients, personally first time home buyers, they're now buying with brothers and sisters yep. and they're they're going back to really of kind of where it started and they're getting a co-borrower um, and they're getting a roommate, yep. but their roommate together to buy a home is better than paying double in rent
1: yes. that
0: literally rents are being like wiped out in front of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, Well, rents have gone up and I, I think I have something on this in a second. Rents have gone up like 25% just in the last 12 months in Texas. Yeah.
0: And the highest increase in the last month and a half yeah. because renters and landlords they're having to increase taxes as well and they feel that they can get it and so they're literally just increasing them for for no reason mm-hmm. um because they want to make more money
1: so then everybody asks okay so so then why is everything so expensive all right well obviously we've been in a situation for the past really it's been the last 12 years where um, once we had the crash in 2008 and 9 where everything fell down the monetary policy changed the United States. And we said, okay, in order to make sure that this doesn't continue to happen, we need to put money into the market. So this is where the Fed stepped in, lowered rates, um, started buying mortgage-backed securities, which we've talked about before is what drives mortgage rates. And this purchasing or this lowering of rates and then purchasing of mortgage-backed securities put a, you know, basically made lending not free, but but pretty close. So you could borrow money for next to nothing. right? And um, whenever money's cheap, then what you start to see is assets that tend to hold their value and tend to give you some sort of rate of return, mm-hmm. the value starts to go up, which yeah. is why you saw the stock market shoot up, which is why you saw the housing market shoot up. Because now borrowing the money and not having to come out of pocket a ton of money in cash right. has afforded me the ability to buy an asset that is going to continue up and, and appreciate. So people that, you know, I don't want to say are smart with their money, but people that know what to do with money when it's available Mm -hmm. um, tend to invest in assets. That's where they put their money because I need to put my money somewhere that it's going to grow. I don't want to put my money in a place. I'm not necessarily going out and buying new Jordans um, and putting it on the credit card. What I'm doing is I'm buying a rental property or I'm investing in index funds or I'm putting my money that I was able to get from somewhere. Or, you know, we have this conversation all the time with people buying homes when you're going to put, you know, you're buying your your primary residence. And I tell people all the time to either put down the minimum or put down 20%. Well, when you put down the minimum at 5%, yeah, you're going to pay mortgage insurance or mortgage payments going to be a little bit more expensive, but the 40 or 50 or $60,000 that you would have had to put in if you put down 20%, you can now use to make money for you. Absolutely. Right. You can make that money work because the only way that you make money is you trade your time for money. Yep. Right. And that's having a job we do every day. Sweat our time. Sweat equity. <laughs> um, you have a business, which yeah. is still to some extent trading time for money because you got to build that business up at least till it can run itself. Or you use your money to make money, right? Yep. So Investing in real estate is one way to use your money to make money because if not, not your primary residence necessarily, but investment properties, VRBOs, those kind of things, those are going to generate rent. So that is an income generating property, which makes you money. Um, Investing in the stock market, when you put your money into index funds or you buy specific stocks or whatever, those tend, now that's fluctuating. It's a little bit of... um, you know, these days everybody who wants to day trade, I'm like, mm, I mean, you can do what you want to do, right. but but good luck. Um, but you know, safe things like index funds that tend to earn a four to six percent appreciation or um return on your investment on an annual basis, and yeah. then you compound that over 10 or 15 years, for sure, then you're gonna make money, right? So so then when the money was cheap, then everybody who could borrow and had the ability to borrow would then borrow and then put money into places that would make money. Right. That's what happened. Um, I'll do a little side crypto deal, but This is what happened with cryptocurrencies. One of the reasons that Bitcoin fell off as hard as it did, because at one point one Bitcoin was worth seventy thousand dollars. That's crazy. Okay, today, right now, it's worth twenty thousand dollars, give or take. It's floating between eighteen and twenty. But twenty four months ago, it was like five thousand dollars, right? So you could say, well, it fell off tremendously. Well, what happened is individuals like us, not me, because I didn't do this, but. (laughs) And I have Bitcoin, um, oh, but yeah. individuals like like that were buying Bitcoin into retail investors, which are who individuals are. Um, they would buy say ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Okay, mm-hmm. well then Bitcoin would go from five thousand to ten thousand, you know, within a week or two, right. right? And now they only put in ten grand, but now their ten thousand dollar investment was worth twenty. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then what they could do is they could then leverage and go, well, I'm going to borrow 10,000 back from my Bitcoin and I'm going to buy more. Right. Right. And so, and they just kept repeating that over and over. And as the price went up, everybody was leveraging because the interest was like 1%, 2%. It was nothing. Cheap money. Exactly. So then that leverage, when the moment things ticked in the other direction and Mm -hmm. things started selling off, that's when you saw it crash because. All of those people that were leveraged into that market had margin calls every time that price would drop. Right. So then they would have to sell. They didn't have a choice right. because you either sell it or you come up with ten or fifteen grand, right. which they didn't have.
0: And you didn't have that money because you right. spent it.
1: Because you spent it. So because it was all leveraged or debt, you know, leverage is the fancy word for debt. Everybody's right. like, "Oh, I'm using leverage on this." Yeah, so you're taking out debt. <laughs> your, okay, you're debt. That's what you're doing. But because they were over leveraged, then that caused, it was like a domino effect. Everything just came right, down, right? right? And then it hit a point where it settled in. But but this is what was occurring. This was happened with real estate too. Right. The reason that prices shot up the way they did was because over the last two years, there have been private equity companies and hedge funds buying up properties in mass. 30%. Like yes. 30%. Correct. In Texas, there was 30%. They were buying these properties in mass and then turning them into rentals. Yeah. Because right now, we're in a place where... You rent your car, you have a lease, right? Right. A lot of people have leases. Um do you own any like audio cassettes or CDs anymore, Glenda? Mm-hmm. No, what do you do?
0: Random you pay,
1: you pay Spotify right or yeah. you pay Apple you pay or
0: Disney Plus yes exactly so, and you rent a Peloton like that's rent a Peloton. like you rent your Peloton
1: you even rent your phone you think you don't rent your phone but oh, you, you do, do
0: for sure because
1: your phone's $400 yeah. and they're like well you can just pay it out
0: hundred dollars thanks Apple <laughs> right
1: you can just pay it out over the next 12 yeah. you know 24 months well then after 24 months your phone's obsolete so right. now you gotta get another and
0: one and now you're getting another one so now yes. there's a lease to rent and, and buy up program that's right
1: so we don't own anything anymore now we don't own
0: anything of tangible value because it's all obsolete the yes. next day.
1: So the, the thing that's left is housing, right? Mm-hmm. We, we we have a ton of renters already. The rentals have jumped up dramatically um, and it's getting heavier and heavier as we go. Right. But that is kind of where things are headed. Now you can believe that's intentional or not intentional or whatever. <laughs> I don't but, have
0: conspiracy on it. <laughs> yes. I,
1: I got lots of conspiracies on that stuff. But at the end of the day, that's where it's going. Yeah. And when you have private equity companies buying up entire neighborhoods yeah. in like Houston, 500 homes that Dr. Horton built and Blackstone goes in and buys them up and then yeah. they turn them all into rentals. Okay? Right.
0: That does not help our inventory.
1: You drive down the road I saw and here in Mansfield, there's a, there's like these little houses that all look exactly the same. There's right. probably 50 of them maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't gone in there. And it says luxury homes for lease. So you can't buy it and they don't, they don't share walls. They have all these like, no shared walls, no blah, 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 but you don't, you can't buy it. Yeah. You're leasing it.
0: And you never had the option to buy it because the builder went straight to the corporation to buy it. Never had a choice. So the builders and it it all kind of stems back to the builders pushing um, their stuff. Right, last year we were laughing, and uh, one of the, the agents this morning posted, "Uh, where were you like two years ago?" Yep. Because it was two years ago and a year ago, and it's crazy. We think about that. The builders were like, "Shoo, shoo, shoo, fly." They went around the realtors to get that commission, and now they're like, "Hey, here's your twenty thousand dollars if you come to my front." Yep. Well, why? You know, and it was a perfect depiction of why builders two years ago and a year ago did that. And they sold them to BlackRock and all of these. And now they're like, they're trying to get people back in yep. there and they're like agents, come on, I'm starving. Yes. here's your you $30,000 off price. Whatever. Yeah. They're,
1: they're giving extra incentives <laughs> on the house, which is great for agents and buyers because yeah. you know, they're finally balancing it out. But, um, you know, no, we'll it's
0: going to turn around though. We'll it's get to that to in a second. It's going to flip <laughs> around soon
1: anyway. But so, okay. So let's talk about the inflation side of things. Right. So, um, Last week, they came out with the CPI, which is the consumer index or consumer price index, yeah. and it showed overall that inflation was up by eight point two percent. Okay, right. this was a little bit higher than what was expected. Everybody right. always thinks that they know what the numbers are ultimately going to be. So, but it was a little bit higher than what was originally anticipated. Right. So that caused the markets to kind of freak out a little bit. Um, or now did
0: they freak out? Whew.
1: Yes. Now, when you take out, there is something with inflation where they take out what's called they call it core inflation. So they pull out um food prices and energy prices or gas basically right. um i should say actually it is gas and food it's i say energy there's a difference when it's electricity it's factored into utility so they don't take that right but and that was at 6.6% mm-hmm. now the reason they take out food and gas is because it's very volatile it because is. it moves up and down you know like for for instance with gas long-term you can control to some extent when you produce it and you, you have oil rigs in your state and your country and you can make your own gas. And that's a whole other conversation for another thing. But right now OPEC controls the flow of gas for the most part. So if they want to raise up the production and lower the price, they will. And if they want to lower the production and raise the price, they absolutely will.
0: And what happens in three weeks from
1: today? Right. And their margins are like 90%. Okay. Is what they make. (laughs) So these guys are making billions of dollars producing this oil. And so, but we don't have any control over what they do. Now there are, geopolitics and stuff that can do that, but I'm not getting into that. That's just, for the most part, there's no control. So that's why they pulled out. Same thing with with food. We don't have control over how food flows and it has nothing to do with inflation because it could do with the climate it can do with how crops turn over it could do with the access you know the war in Ukraine and Russia there's less access to fertilizers and nitrogens that yeah. that feed the soil because there's a lot of that gets the produced. wheat
0: product that that Russia actually produces for the United States and yes. my favorite word like Mike and I will talk about a supply chain COVID oil yeah like they're still <laughs> stuck in a boat which yes. is crazy you think two years ago but they're still backlogged From sitting the boat and they even said this morning like retailers they're already worried about the holiday buying season because they still have summer inventory that they're having to work on and that all is included in the inflation numbers like what's the retail right you already have to think about december and january at this point and retailers are having a big issue right now
1: well and now you have the, it's the, with the retailers what's going on with specifically with like goods and i don't want to say goods services but just goods in general yeah. like your televisions and your shoes and these kind of things they're actually they're they're getting oversupplied because right. they put up these heavy orders that came in when everything was back ordered. Well, now all those orders are in. And now they have a ton of inventory that they're sitting on. The people can't afford them. Right. Nobody wants to go buy anything. <laughs> no one
0: anything. wants to buy them t- what, 75 days before
1: Christmas? Because they're terrified that they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna lose their job or something, right? Right. So here's some of the it'll be harder for you to see these over there. But so some of these inflation numbers, this was just a tweet I pulled off Twitter. Um, so your overall CPI was 8.2, your core CPI was 6.6 gas was plus 18.2%. That's insane. It's massive. That is right?
0: crazy. When it went up to $5 and then the next day it's like, oh, by the way, we have st- stock against supply and demand and it dropped to $3. But the day OPEC said they're cutting production, what happened? Shut it shot up. Boop, it yep. shot up again.
1: And then you have fuel, oil, okay, which mm-hmm. again is still oil and gas. 58% higher. Electricity was 15% higher. That's crazy. And This is month over month. Uh, Or actually, this is average for the year. I'm sorry. Uh, Groceries were plus 13%. Okay. Meat, poultry, and fish. Why they categorize those separately? Eggs, 30%. I think
0: that's like 60% for eggs. That's
1: why I got chickens. Um,
0: (laughs) Get chickens. There you go. Go to USDA. Uh, Milk
1: was 15%. Baby food was 11% higher. Can you imagine your baby, you have a new baby and you're living paycheck to paycheck and your bill just went up 10%.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy. Like even that 80 cents is now at like a, what is a dollar 89 now? Like that yeah. baby food, that's horrible.
1: It's a lot. Um, airline fares, 42%. Yeah,
0: and those aren't coming down people. If you yeah. think they're coming down to give you a holiday deal, mm, you better look at that.
1: And by the way, the airlines are still making a ton
0: of money. They're making a ton of money.
1: <sighs> they're killing it. Their profit margins are massive. Um, and it's so the last one was real average or hourly earnings. Okay. Yeah. And that's down 3%. Okay. Yeah. So people say wages are going up, which is true. Right. But when you compare how wages have gone up compared to how inflation has increased, yeah. It's the other direction yeah. it's going down so your your dollar is going less further because even though you got a 50 percent raise right. it's not enough to cover the 10 percent gas it. price
0: and it's like what do you do and it and now it's going to go back to what you have to cut out right you have to cut out the goods and so now starbucks is giving you know you're going to cut out the commodities that you can't afford right. or the ones that you can easily get rid of right? right we like coffee i know i don't drink coffee but you know starbucks has already given discounts on that stuff You see even like Chick-fil-A starting to, like every supply chain is starting to offer like 20% off, 30% off discount. And it always cracks me up about like the Black Friday sales. Like I am a avid Black Friday. I love to do it, but I go to people watch. I don't buy stuff right. because I go two weeks before to see the prices. And then I go the day of Black Friday and believe it or not, it's f- more expensive on Black Friday. Yeah, It's the thought and the the promotion of it's the, the day you're supposed to shop. Right. Well, when it comes down to it, Black Friday is actually the most expensive holiday. You just don't look at it two weeks before. So no. there's a fun fact for Black Friday.
1: Well, in, in, and- Everybody wants to know is like, when is this going to turn around? Oh gosh, we all do. My, this is just my opinion, right? Of course. Um, But, the the Fed raising rates is affecting the money supply and making money more expensive, yes. therefore causing people to borrow less. But when you look at what we just showed you with the things that are actually driving inflation, right. the vast majority of it is still food and gas. Right. Okay, Airline industry is more expensive because they have to pay more for gas. Right. Your electricity is more expensive because they have to pay more for energy. So these are all tied to things that, again… My opinion. We
0: can't control. We
1: can't control.
0: We can't control the milk prices unless you go get a cow. So it's like we're
1: living in this world where they're raising rates to make goods and services, you know, less in less demand. So it brings down the price. But you know, until the war in Ukraine ends, then food's gonna be expensive. And until OPEC decides that they wanna turn produce more oil, (laughs) oil and gas is gonna be expensive. So, I don't know where jacking up rates is going to adjust this, but they're still doing it. And again, right. we have no control over that either. No. Nope. So, um, the Fed does com- plan to continue to raise rates. But I do think, and thanks to uh, Barry Habib and MBS Highway, um, which is one of the Absolutely. things I watch all the time, they have these great little charts that they like to show about it, inflation and, and when it's going to peak. So, yep. this is something I pulled from them. When you look at September, okay, by the way, we're in October. So, when we got the numbers for last, for uh, last Thursday, those were September's numbers, Correct. right? So when you look at September, well, September is at 0.03 so that july august september inflation was very low right okay for the for right. the month over month um but when you get to october now it almost doubles it spikes okay yeah. so when we look over here at where we're at today and we, by the way if you know anybody that's watching this doesn't understand the way the cpi works is it's a 12-month rolling average
0: absolutely so
1: it would be from the number that we just got was from october of last year to september of this year right so that's 12 months so the number that we get in november will be october or excuse me November of last year to October of this year.
0: Right. All right. right.
1: Well, so every month a number rolls off. Right. All right. So when we did it this last Thursday, the number that rolled off was that 0. 0.3,
0: right. which
1: was why it was higher because the number we got was 0. 0.6.
0: Absolutely. So that's
1: going to make the 12 month average more. Yep. Right. Well, come October, that number jumps up. Well, mm-hmm. the expectation is as much as they've jacked up rates and people are starting to hold back, prices in certain areas are going to start to come down right so the the expectation is or the thought is is that the october number is going to be less than what it was for last october right so the overall cpi should tick down it should in october yeah. it should we'll see nobody knows
0: november 2nd put that on your date right <laughs> we'll be going live <laughs> right
1: but if that happens then because right now the feds mandate is that they have to um they have to get inflation under control. Like that's yeah. their whole mandate. That's their narrative right That's now. what they, that's for all sure. they're focused on. So they're going to keep raising rates until they start getting indications that the market is turning around. Right. All right. Well, we've already seen, you know, we had those huge swings in the market last week. You know, we were up, I think the Dow on Thursday swung, it, I had this in here too. It swung 1,500 points it
0: was Crazy in one
1: day. It was insane. Okay, It was the sixth, no, it was, yeah, it was the sixth largest move in one day for the last decade. Yeah. Okay and that it went down and then it came right back up. Right. So even investors don't know what the hell's going on. They're right. like we're we're just trying to, you know, a lot of this is on emotion. They're trying to figure it, it out. Is but
0: emotion.
1: but if inflation does tick down, then you should start to see the Fed pivot and say, okay, we're yeah. either going to raise rates less or we're going to pause. And oh by the way, the other thing that I think a lot of people miss on this is that this is this is like you don't really feel the impact of this stuff. For like 12 months right right so we're not even we're just like three or four months into when they started raising yeah. rates and we're not really going to see that adjustment until later on but that's all other thing. so hopefully the idea is that you know next october or in next month when we get these new numbers that we should see a tick down mm-hmm. which means maybe the fed will pivot a little bit which which means maybe mortgage-backed securities will do a little bit better so we should start to see some lights at the end of the tunnel okay, okay? but so what does that mean for the housing market in general? All right. Well, just so everybody understands, housing in, in the United States is 25% of our GDP, which means that not just buying and selling houses, but you know, home improvement, Home Depot, right. Lowe's, electricity, all the things that are tied to somebody owning their home makes up 25% of our total GDP yeah. as a country. And
0: their stocks are down right now.
1: Right. So um, Fannie Mae, um, now I'm going to give you the bad news first, and then I'm going to tell you the case. Yes. So Fannie Mae uh, put out their projection and they feel like in 2023 that um, home sales will decline by 18%. Yeah. Okay. That means we're going to keep going down. I think this year we're already down like 10 to 12%. For sure. Um, and that's about 5.6 million units. And then in September, um, this is, um, excuse me, this is up from what they projected last month, which they thought it'd be 17. So they just keep bringing that number higher right. where they think it's going to go down. But Oh, by the way, so demand, they say, is going to go down 18%, but they still only predict home price values are going only going to go down by maybe a point and a half.
0: And that's crazy. So there's the big automatic because the, the factor is, is you know, that's the conversation we have. And that's the, the narrative that the government, I think, is trying to put on there. And here we go. We got hey. Jen Gaudio up in here. What do you think the narrative talking about um, that the home price is not coming down as much as... People think they will, right? So the Fed fund rate is continuing to go up, but home prices are not.
1: Jen, she's not. backing up slowly. She's backing she's up, but we have crushing.
0: a. Uh, what about a DTI? <laughs> we can ask <have> <laughs> DTI, and and it's not going to change, right? It's the demand is still there, right? The 300 people moving into Dallas every day. There's not enough housing. Is not going to drop. No. The price of the homes, right?
1: Well, they're not building houses. The thing is, is, um, and we're actually going to get a number later this week. Housing starts, which um, it kind of indicates where things are, the direction that things are headed. And what a housing start is, is that basically is like a builder is going out applying for a permit to build a house on a piece of property. Right. Okay. Sometimes they'll do entire neighborhoods. Sometimes they'll do one. So that's they're applying for that to to build a home. Well, um, overall, housing starts have been ticking up. Now, they're starting to plateau a little bit, but they have ticked up. Right. But what you don't see is when you dig into that number, the things that are going up are multifamilies. Yeah. Apartments, duplexes, townhomes, yeah. condos, those are ticking up. What is not ticking up is single-family residences. Yeah. That's this the house on the land that everybody wants, right? right. They're not building more of those. Yeah. They're telling us basically that you're going to live in an apartment, so yeah, you know, are. or a condo, and you're going to pay three hundred dollars. Assisted living, actually so
0: many. Sorry, y'all. Assisted living in over fifty-five communities are like head over heels because you have to think about it the baby boomers aren't selling their homes because of covid right um you know covid was a big indicator that they're just scared they don't want to go into assisted living or an over 55 community but that is like one of the number one communities they're building right now i know especially in midlothian it's huge they built six of them within a five mile square radius and they're already booked out yep but those yeah, the boomers, but the millennials, are still forty-five million millennials that need to get into a home eventually.
1: Yep. Well, hopefully when the boomers retire, there'll be some inventory opened up. But and they're they not all retired. retired. They're not all retired well, they can't.
0: They can't because they can't, they can't afford milk. No,
1: they can't. <laughs> so um, and then also too, um uh Black Knight, which is a large uh they're a reporting agency, but they do a lot of reporting for like hedge funds. There's yep. Black Knight, Blackstone, Black, whatever, There's all the all not the not the
0: griddle, not no. Blackstone.
1: So um they're they put out a, a statistic that um, homeowners in forbearance, so people that had applied for forbearance, that 50, uh, 50, 46% of them uh, were making their payments in April. So in other words, they applied for forbearance, yeah. so they didn't have to make their payment, but they were still, 46% of those people were still making their payments, okay? Right. But then in May, that number fell down to 22%, mm-hmm. and then in June, that number fell down to 15%. Right. So it now, let me be clear, it doesn't mean that they're delinquent. What it means is that they applied for forbearance, they got it, right. and they had the option to either continue to pay their mortgage or not. Right. Okay. Right. So three months ago, 50% of those people were still paying their mortgage whether or not they right. needed to or didn't. But that number is declining quickly because mm. people are getting a little insecure, right? Yeah. And they're keeping cash or going, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I need to have for my sure. cash, right? All right. So that's all the bad news, right? Yeah. But- Here's the thing, when you look at actual foreclosure data, so this is something, there's a a Texas A&M, they do a monthly report where they put out all the housing data for the state of Texas and they give it by market areas. And and I I go to them a lot to see kind of, you know, what they're saying about stuff. So if you look at the uh, last month's payment status for owner-occupied housing, now, by the way, this was through August. Okay. Okay. So it's a little bit behind, you know, because data takes a minute to come in. So when you look at, if you look at this chart, it said, the first chart says last month payment status for owner occupied homes. So households currently caught up on their mortgage payments, uh, owned free and clear. There are 30, or we'll just talk about Texas. 38% of people in Texas own their home free and clear.
0: That's crazy.
1: 57% per- of people are currently caught up on their mortgage. Mm-hmm. Only 4% are not. 4%. 4%. 4%.
0: That's great. So here's a crazy, I was talking to an agent yesterday or uh Friday and one of her, clients is about to go into foreclosure. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, let's do a really short sell um, where they didn't technically have to short sell it, but they listed the home. Well, instead of doing the foreclosure that was going on auction today, they got $18,000. They did a super quick close, got it under contract, did that. Well, you know, those people don't have, you know, and that's the thing, like instead of foreclosing on your home, sell your home, you're walking away with $18,000. Instead of getting the foreclosure on there, they would have never even had 18,000. Right. Goes back to not having 10,000 in your bank account. That's right. And she was so happy that she didn't think about a quick cash option. Yep. And there's, you know, investors out there that will buy this to help them
1: it's all about price. You lower the price enough, they'll get it. For sure. Then the second one says likely likelihood of having to leave this house in the next two months due to foreclosure. So the, the first one was how many people are currently caught up on their payments. Okay. And then the next one is more of like, do you feel like you're getting into trouble? Okay. You know, like you're getting close. So again, in Texas, likelihood of leaving this home due to foreclosure, 8% is very likely. It's mm-hmm. okay, a very low number. 12% is somewhat likely. is not very likely and 29% is not likely at all. So that's 80% of the people that are either not likely or very unlikely to have any issues making their payment in the next 12 months. That's amazing. So all the talk of foreclosures are on the horizon. Just wait. Yeah. It ain't coming, man. It's not. (laughs) They have too much equity. People have picked up 30 to 40% equity in their home for the past two years. The story that you just told is exactly indicates why that's important because that person still had equity. They got behind on their payments because their monthly payment was difficult to make
0: because taxes and then they lost his job. Right.
1: But if you just lower the price and sell the house, you're still making money
0: and they can live on, you know, $18,000 for months for now. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's
1: just, it's, it's, you know, I'm just trying to highlight the fact that, you know, this idea that there's going to be this massive foreclosure. Now don't get me wrong. If the economy takes a huge dive and we have massive layoffs Anything can happen. For sure. Okay. But so far, the job market's been pretty good. It's not, you know, struggling too bad. Um, So, you know, I don't know that that's happening either anytime in the near future. But so right now, we only have uh, two and a half months of supply on hand in Dallas Fort Worth. That's so. The supply on hand means the number of houses that are available based on the rate at which they sell. So, if I have a hundred, if I have two hundred and fifty houses available for Mm sale, okay, and I sell a hundred a month, then I have two and a half months of supply, okay. Well, in a healthy market, you need to have anywhere between five to six months of supply. That's what you have to have, okay. Well, we're still at two and a half. This is we're are we are we eight months into this? Six months?
0: Six months into this kind of crazy market craziness,
1: Um, and we still have barely enough houses. Now, again. That number's going up. Right. Okay. But it's going up very slowly. It's not just turning over, you know, immediately overnight. Um, And by the way, on that number, (laughs) this is another thing that gets left out. I had an agent ask me about this the other day. That number includes houses for sale, or excuse me, land for sale with a house that isn't built. So
0: land, land. There it is.
1: Well, what I mean, I don't mean raw land, I mean land by a builder. So I'm a builder and I own 50 plots in a neighborhood. Those fifty plots are for sale. They're going to be homes, but they're not yet. So they're actually not right. really able to purchase. So I can't buy it or sell my house until that's done. Yeah. And so that and there's a good chunk of those that are being represented in that number, and it's still
0: especially in Ellis really County, low. right?
1: <laughs> so you're not getting a whole ton of houses for sale. You're not seeing a whole bunch of stuff coming down the market for foreclosures. Well, let's look at the prices, okay? Well, maybe the prices will come down, and that'll save us all because the prices are going to be really low, right? Again, here we are. So the median home price and this is we'll just do Dallas Fort Worth okay in July of 22 2022 was $406,000 yep. in August of 2022 it went down to 404 so <laughs>
0: it's not a big jump
1: <laughs> no interest rates in that same period of time went up 200% right okay so right. interest rates have massively jumped up and prices have only gone down
0: a bit. that takes a while and when you think about when it's supposed to hit the floor i mean you're talking about years before it hits a floor and that- even if it does right
1: right because it's just slowly ticking down and it's understandable and i'm sure if september's number will be a little bit less right right because people are a little concerned the demand has gone down because we yeah. don't know if we're going to be able to have a job or what rates are going to be and all that kind of stuff but again prices are not falling off a cliff either okay they're they're going down but they're not going down at a dramatic pace yeah. Okay. So, um, and you know, the, the big, the big thing that I want to make sure people understand is that we are slowly turning or we talked about this thing ago. We're slowly turning into a nation of renters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, 43.7 million households are currently renting. That's right. Crazy. We have. We have 300 million people in the United States. Yeah. the number of households is something like I think it's like 120 million or something like that. It's about half that number right. um, and almost half of those people are renting and by the way, that number was like 20 percent or 30 percent like f- three years ago right so it's gone up dramatically. Um, entire zip codes are turning turning around. So the thing that we're that I'm trying to impart is that we are in a very different market than we were. 12 months ago. And we for just sure. had this conversation with a bunch of agents this morning. And what we have to do is help people understand that you have to change your mindset as to what you're looking at. And, um, eight months ago, if you were buying a house or 12 months ago, if you were buying a house, you were buying a $350,000 house. You were paying $400,000 for that house. Absolutely. And that f- extra 50 grand that you were paying over, you were bringing cash because the house wasn't going to appraise for that because the market Absolutely had not cut up. Absolutely not. Well, why was I paying fifty grand over? Well, that's because there were thirty other people in line to buy that house because you
0: wanted to pay it.
1: Well, you didn't. You have a choice, right? You
0: didn't have a choice. If you wanted that house, you were paying it.
1: But good news, rates were three percent, two percent. Yay! Okay, congratulations. Rates were cheap, but they were cheap for everybody.
0: You got the stress of sitting in line and waiting and getting an appraisal and paying hundreds of thousands of
1: dollars. And Glenda, what if you had an FHA or a VA or a USDA loan? Were you buying a house? You were not 12 buying a ago? house. You were not. Well, why not, were, even eight months why ago. not? Why were you not buying a house?
0: Well, because Ken, a conventional cash is king. That's right. Your cash, most of our, and, and not all of them. When we say most, right, most of first time home buyers, they don't have 30,000 liquid cash. Um, but even our VA buyers, it's a misconception on a VA buyer, to have hundreds of thousand dollars of cash you know while va buyers are honestly some of the most qualified to yes. buy a home.
1: <laughs> but it's hard because like we said people are living paycheck to paycheck yeah, they, they have, have they don't have a hundred thousand dollars saved up unless mom or dad are giving unless it to if they whatever.
0: sold a home recently right. and you're they're turning and burning that money yes and that's where a lot of it came from
1: exactly and as the more as we get more renters in the in the market and less people that own their homes the less equity is going to be available to those people to be able yeah. to get out of renting into buying for sure so so fast forward to now, right? Then you were three percent interest rate, you were paying fifty grand over and coming out of pocket ton of money. So now here we are, eight months later, we're in October, rates are seven percent. Yeah. And oh by the way. Not only your rate's 7%, but you're paying one point in order to get that 7%. Now, it could be 6.875. I don't want to say, well, our rates are at six and a half. Okay, well, great. You probably got two discount points worked in there. But what I'm saying is, on average, they're in the high sixes, low sevens, depending on your scenario. And you were paying one discount point to get it. Used to, if you wanted to pay a point, it meant you got a lower rate. Right. Now, it just means that's the cost of doing business and you're paying it. Well, Why is that happening? Well, Another video another time but essentially when you have a volatile market and rates are going up or going down at a at a quick pace there's always the option for refinancing and whenever that happens even when rates are going up they could go down soon so whenever you have the option to refinance that makes investors nervous because they want to service the loan and make money on the interest that's how they get right. paid right but if you only have the interest for 12 months and then you refinance it and somebody else gets that interest mm-hmm. then as an investor I no longer I don't have that money coming right, in. Right. So I'm not going to pay as much for that loan and I'm going to charge you up front. So I make sure I make my money.
0: So the investors want to get my, my right. money.
1: Investors um. want to make money. So that's what they're going to do. So when you have 7% interest and you have all these charges and fees that are going along with it that are extra, well, then what does that do? That puts a lot of buyers on the sideline. Yeah. Okay. Which is completely understandable. Absolutely. The problem with that is, is that this, again, you know, we're I've said this before, I'm a lender is a lender. Mm -hmm. We do mortgages. We love loans. We want you to do a loan. We want you to buy a house. Okay. That's what we want. All right. We're not going to pretend like that's not the case. However, right now is still probably a really, really good time to buy. Probably better than it was then. Okay. And hear me out. The reason why is because now if I'm buying a $350,000 house, I'm paying three fifty dollars for that house.
0: If not lower.
1: If not lower. Or I'm also saying, hey, look, seller, I'll pay you $350, but I want you to give me $15,000 in closing costs. Okay. So now, or I could offer $335, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same to the seller. They're getting, if their house is listed at $350 and you offer $335, they get $335. If their house is listed at $350 and you offer $350 with $15,000 in seller concessions, they're still getting $335. Okay. And sellers that are thinking about selling or need to sell, put it that way. The need. If you need to sell, you have just come off of 2 years of 20% appreciation over and over okay
0: 30 or 40 or 50 right
1: <laughs> so you've you've probably made unrealized because you don't have that cash in your pocket but you have made a lot of money on your house yeah. if you sell it okay so if you need to move and you need to sell it quickly you may have to come off your profit a little bit and right. take a little 10 or 15,000 dollar hit to help somebody get into the house that doesn't have all that cash saved yeah. because again those guys don't. And the heaviest buyers right now are what, Glenda? Who are the 1st home buyers? Correct. The well, government. What well, those loans, yes.
0: USDA, FHA, and you know, VA.
1: Because they couldn't get a house right. twelve months ago. Now they can because the there's nobody buying homes or less people, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so now they have a chance, right? But they also need money. So if you want to get your house sold and you want to sell it quickly. You're probably going to have to offer up a little bit in order to make that happen. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you have a perfect house, you price it right, it's in a high demand neighborhood. Great, good for you. But if not, if it's sitting there or if you've had to reduce the price a couple times, look, put in your listing agents, put in your listing that you're going to offer ten to fifteen thousand dollars or whatever the number is in seller concessions. Absolutely. Because if I'm a first time home buyer or I'm just a buyer in general and I, maybe I don't even have an agent yet, I'm on Zillow or I'm on Redfin and I'm looking at properties. Well, if you're listing in your listing description you put in there that there's $10,000 in cash for me. I'm going to go look at your house. First
0: time homebuyer is like, Ooh, I can, I can stay there. I can, I can like it. That's right. I don't have to love it, but I can like it. Yeah. Because I can sell it later on and get the return of investment. That's right. And grow it.
1: That's right. And and now I have a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's not ideal. But all my closing costs are paid because the seller's right. paying for them for me. And I have a higher payment for a period of time. Right. Okay. And I've said this before, but rent or excuse me, interest is a function of time. It's mm-hmm. not a function of money. Yeah. Okay. When you pay interest on something, if you're paying 30% interest, if you're only paying 30% interest for one month. It's not a lot of money. Right. Okay. If you're paying 2% interest for 30 years, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Okay. So if you're only paying 7% for a year or two, it's not a whole lot of money, especially if rates come down, even to get into the fives or the fours or wherever they may end up landing again. When those rates come back down, you will have the ability to refinance
0: and you're already going to be in your house right? because the next tick and the next wave of the, the buyers that didn't want that, you know, well, that's what I was be. going to
1: ask you when the rates go back down, what's going to happen? It's Linda? going to be
0: a crap storm. It's yes. going to be exactly a year ago. Yes. And then first time home buyers are going to be discouraged because they didn't jump on it quick enough. And that's it's right. not like we would ever, ever, ever push anybody to doing a loan. No. But what we're saying is, if you can financially manage $100, $150, $200 more a month and get a co-borrower and get someone to move into and you. not have
1: to come out of pocket and 50 grand. not
0: have to come out of pocket and have sellers pay for those. Yes. Then why not look at it? Right. Because that is the narrative that's not being spoken right, right. now. Yes. It is rates are high. Oh my gosh, that payment's $200 higher. But what if you didn't have to come up with an extra $15,000? Yes. Well, guess what? We can refinance you. That's right. That's what we're good at. We can refinance.
1: But if you wait because you're scared of the market, and again, the, the whole point is, is you have to find out information. Yeah. That's all we're doing is providing information. Then you get to make the decision Absolutely. if it makes sense for you and your family. Yeah. We're not making the decision for we're you. We're
0: not making the payment.
1: <laughs> we're just telling you, a, we're just having you look at it from a different perspective and yeah. understand. You know, it was, I said this earlier, Warren Buffett, you know, one of the richest people on the planet. His, his general theme is buy when people are selling and sell when people are buying because you get value when you're doing something that nobody else is doing. So if nobody else is buying homes right now, that means you're going to, or not as very many people, that means you're gonna get a good deal. Yeah. Okay. But there's a reason you're getting a good deal. Right. Because rates are high and everybody's terrified. Yeah. Okay. But while they're scared and you're making smart so decisions, great. it's
0: such a great time.
1: And property values go up in 12 to 24 months, which they will again, and all this stuff turns over, it's all cyclical. Then you're going to be in a great spot and you can also refinance. And the beauty about refinancing is you get to take all of the money that it costs you to refinance and just add it to your loan. Yeah. You don't even have to pay. So that's your no-cost
0: refinance that, you know, lenders are already talking about. And one of the agents in our classes this morning had it, I mean, she nailed it. She said, ride the dip. Yeah. You know. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. That means when it's down, buy the dip. When the rates are up, you buy the dip. Like, you're going into it before The dip and the wave comes because when the wave comes back, it's going to be another 30, 60, 100 offers. You're going to need cash. You're going to need reserves. So why not? If you can afford it right now, get in when the dip is here.
1: Yep. So that's all I really had today. I just, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping I'll maybe do this next Monday again, just taking some data from the week. Fill it in my brain, I and, then, here next and then, then give you my opinion on it. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's what it is, you know. I mean, look, it's expensive right now. Inflation yeah. is killing everybody. Um, it's we're you know the housing market is struggling because of this. But there are there are benefits and there are ways to take advantage of it and still continue to add to your wealth, grow your wealth, yeah. develop um, a portfolio for yourself while everybody else is on the sidelines, scared, clutching their yeah. clutching their purses because. I'm not saying it's the right move for you. I'm just saying you need to look at it and get all the information and then be able to decide right. if it's something you need to do.
0: And so. buyers, we see you, right? It's it's not that we, we have these conversations because we've bought homes before. Yeah. We've been in your position. When I bought my first house, it was 6.75. Yeah. I looked at it the other day and I was like, oh,
1: dang. Yeah. Now is totally, that a hundred thirty thousand?
0: But guess what, my taxes were five thousand dollars when I bought the house, and I was like, "Dang, no wonder I moved out of where yeah. I did <laughs> undisclosed location." <laughs> but it was still six point seven five. Yeah. Well, what are, what are we in right now? Yeah.
1: Well, and then the last house that you bought, you got like a three or four percent rate, yeah. right? Like it's just again interest is a function of time yeah. it's not a and it will
0: come so we see you we get you and yeah. we're here for you that's
1: right all right that's it wrapping it up it was a little longer than i was trying to get 30 <laughs> minutes but you know i rumbled on forever so sorry all righty well we'll see you guys uh next week we'll be back at this again and if y'all ever have any questions or want to talk through scenarios give Glenda or i a call you know that's what we're here for there's no There's no cost, there's no charge. It's just, hey, where are you at? What are you trying to do? Here's some options, here's some ways to look at it. And then ultimately, make your own decision. Yep, yep. All right, see you guys.